Chapter Twenty Five of Jenny Gerhardt by Theodore Dreiser. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A month later, Jenny was able to announce that Lester intended to marry her. His visits had, of course, paved the way for this, and it seemed natural enough. Only Gerhardt seemed a little doubtful. He did not know just how this might be. Perhaps it was all right. Lester seemed a fine enough man in all conscience, and really, after Brander, why not? If a United States senator could fall in love with Jenny, why not a businessman? There was just one thing, the child. Has she told him about Vesta? he asked his wife. No, said Mrs. Gerhardt, not yet. Not yet, not yet. Always something underhanded. Do you think he wants her, if he knows? That's what comes from such conduct in the first place. Now she has to slip around like a thief. The child cannot even have an honest name. Gerhardt went back to his newspaper reading and brooding. His life seemed a complete failure to him. He was only waiting to get well enough to hunt up another job as a watchman. He wanted to get out of this mess of deception and dishonesty. A week or two later, Jenny confided to her mother that Lester had written her to join him in Chicago. He was not feeling well and could not come to Cleveland. The two women explained to Gerhardt that Jenny was going away to be married to Mr. Kane. Gerhardt flared up at this, and his suspicions were again aroused. But he could do nothing but grumble over the situation. It would lead to no good end. Of that he was sure. When the day came for Jenny's departure, she had to go without saying farewell to her father. He was out looking for work until late in the afternoon, and before he returned she had been obliged to leave for the station. "'I will write a note to him when I get there,' she said. She kissed her baby over and over. "'Lester will take a better house for us soon,' she went on hopefully. "'He wants us to move.' The night train bore her to Chicago. The old life had ended and the new one had begun. The curious fact should be recorded here that, although Lester's generosity had relieved the stress upon the family finances, the children and Gerhardt were actually none the wiser. It was easy for Mrs. Gerhardt to deceive her husband as to the purchase of necessities, and she had not as yet indulged in any of the fancies which an enlarged purse permitted. Fear deterred her. But after Jenny had been in Chicago for a few days, she wrote to her mother saying that Lester wanted them to take a new home. This letter was shown to Gerhardt, who had been merely biding her return to make a scene. He frowned, but somehow it seemed an evidence of regularity. If he had not married her, why should he want to help them? Perhaps Jenny was well married after all. Perhaps she really had been lifted to a high station in life, and was now able to help the family. Gerhardt almost concluded to forgive her everything once and for all. The end of it was that a new house was decided upon, and Jenny returned to Cleveland to help her mother move. Together they searched the streets for a nice, quiet neighborhood, and finally found one. A house of nine rooms with a yard, which rented for thirty dollars, was secured and suitably furnished. There were comfortable fittings for the dining room and sitting room, a handsome parlor set, 
and bedroom sets complete for each room. The kitchen was supplied with every convenience, and there was even a bathroom, a luxury the Gerhardts had never enjoyed before. Altogether, the house was attractive, though plain, and Jenny was happy to know that her family could be comfortable in it. When the time came for the actual moving, Mrs. Gerhardt was fairly beside herself with joy, for was this not the realization of her dreams? All through the long years of her life she had been waiting, and now it had come. A new house, new furniture, plenty of room, things finer than she had ever imagined. Think of it. Her eyes shone as she looked at the new beds and tables and bureaus and whatnots. Dear, dear, isn't this nice, she exclaimed. Isn't it beautiful? Jenny smiled and tried to pretend satisfaction without emotion, but there were tears in her eyes. She was so glad for her mother's sake. She could have kissed Lester's feet for his goodness to her family. The day the furniture was moved in, Mrs. Gerhardt, Martha, and Veronica were on hand to clean and arrange things. At the sight of the large rooms and pretty yard, bare enough in winter, but giving promise of a delightful greenness in spring, and the array of new furniture standing about in Excelsior, the whole family fell into a fever of delight. Such beauty, such spaciousness. George rubbed his feet over the new carpets, and Bass examined the quality of the furniture critically. Swell was his comment. Mrs. Gerhardt roved to and fro like a person in a dream. She could not believe that these bright bedrooms, this beautiful parlor, this handsome dining room, were actually hers. Gerhardt came last of all. Although he tried hard not to show it, he, too, could scarcely refrain from enthusiastic comment. The sight of an opal-globed chandelier over the dining-room table was the finishing touch. "'Gas yet,' he said. He looked grimly around under his shaggy eyebrows at the new carpets under his feet, the long oak extension table covered with a white cloth and set with new dishes, at the pictures on the walls, the bright, clean kitchen. He shook his head. "'By chops, it's fine,' he said. "'It's very nice. Yes, it's very nice. We want to be careful now, not to break anything. It's so easy to scratch things up, and then it's all over. Yes, even Gerhardt was satisfied. End of chapter 25